1: You've been at this, what? 40 years? 50.
0: Come downstairs. You won't believe what we found. A kid had been in this cage. We're looking for a girl. Still gets you riled up, huh? How the hell can it not?
1: How's your morning, drivers? I got a beautiful day here. It's good to know you ladies are out there.
0: I have not been this excited to see you since you came by mom. Well, you said that was last time. Yes, for one more. Where's the package? You don't understand. I don't take people. No way I can promise what'll happen to your brother if you don't take the girl where she needs to go.
1: You're driving. You're not suggesting we go analog to every truck stop. You wanted
0: field work. This is the field.
1: It was a girl, Dennis. What do you mean? The package was a girl. What? What happened? We're in this together. There were some bad
0: people wanting to hurt that girl. These guys have eyes all over the state. We just
1: gotta get the girl back and then they'll let us off the hook.
0: I don't wanna give her back. you're gonna be you're in danger sis that's what matters i just want to help her and whoever's trying to be good to her i joined the bureau so i could mean something to someone you're lucky to know where you want to go i only know what i'm running from just keep the girl close she's our lifeline Last thing we need is a bunch of cops running after them with guns drawn. She needs us, the way we needed each other. Why'd you join? Doesn't matter why I joined. Only matters what I do with it. Hey folks, welcome to a special episode of the projection booth on this episode. I'm talking with Anna Guto. She is the writer and director of a new film called paradise highway. We'll talk a little bit about how she came to get into the business and the writing of paradise highway. It is available now. Check it out. And I hope you enjoyed this interview. Well, you've had quite the career and I'm so curious about your days in the theater, because it feels like you really spent a lot of time on stage and even directing
1: productions. I started out in the theater, and I always knew I would become a director when I grew up, as I used to say, but I always felt like I want that's something I wanted to graduate into you know growing up it was sort of theater was the one thing that was accessible it wasn't really I didn't really have a thought for that it could be possible to make movies. I loved seeing movies, but making them I didn't have access or 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 thought for that and and I think also as an actress, which is what I started out with. The theater really was the right place for me. But then as I started directing, I realized that the stage was not the right medium for me as a director because I function quite visually and then tried making or then I, you know, I made a short film and realized that the short or that the film medium was was the right medium for me as a director because I could because I could use the visuals to tell the story whereas in the theater you 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 mostly have to have the information in dialogue, even if you also show it. You kind of have to have it in dialogue as well. Whereas in film, you can get so much more specific with directing the audience's eye that you can have what I find to be a much more natural level of dialogue.
0: How was that transition for you? And when was that transition?
1: I made that short film... Think in 2010 or maybe in 2009. Maybe in 2009 or two or 2010. And then, as I realized, okay, this is where I need to be. I actually decided then to go back to grad school and uh, and do a master's in film directing. And I did that at Columbia University because I was lucky enough to get a full scholarship from a couple of different foundations. Uh, otherwise, I wouldn't have been able to afford to go there but i i was lucky that i that i received that so so i went there because i i felt that making the transition and being then you know having been had being sort of mid career transition i felt like i needed to be able to just have that focused time where i could just for a certain number of years say this is this is everything i'm doing right now i am just focusing on learning the most i can about making movies about writing movies, and about about using that visual medium. And, and for me, that was the right way to do it because it allowed me to really focus in. And it, it felt like such a privilege, to be honest, to be able to have that kind of focused time and to be able to have professors and have people around me that I could learn from.
0: And I guess around also the, with the question of transitions, when did you make the transition from Norway to the United States?
1: That was in 2000. So that's many, many years ago. That's over 20 years ago. And I had done at the time in Norway, it was kind of rare to start working professionally as an actress without having gone to like the official state theater school. And I had gotten hired to work on a couple of state theaters without having done that. So after I had worked for a few years, I decided I wanted to go to theater school and get proper training. Uh, because I wanted to kind of, I wanted to hone my craft and really know the craft. So that's, so I moved to New York to go to theater school. And I went to Circle in the the Square Theater School in New York, which was great for me. And then I ended up starting a theater company, producing productions, and pretty much 50-50 producing and acting while I lived in New York until I then made the transition into film.
0: Once you made that transition, I know you shot a lot of short films. What else were you doing to kind of keep food on the table?
1: I did a lot of translation work, both uh, subtitles. I translated subtitles for like Homeland and How to Train a Dragon and uh, Modern Family. I, I did a lot of translating subtitles. And then I also did some other translation work. I did some teaching while I was at Columbia as well. Yeah, those were my main avenues for putting food on the table actually. And I had some translation jobs sometimes too, and also some voiceover work I did. Yeah, it's inter- it's interesting you ask because I think it's such an important question because that's that is a big part of being able to pursue your passion is to find that way to sustain while you're working towards your goal. And for me, it was always important to be able to keep my focus on the work that I wanted to do. So I also was very frugal. I didn't grow up with a lot of money. Both of my parents were artists. So I also, I was kind of used to that way of living of like, you have to make it work with what you have. So that was very useful to me. Uh, Luckily, I didn't sort of end up with credit cards that had to be paid and then, and then not being able to pursue what I wanted to do anymore. I really I was disciplined, I guess. You know, I, I I knew what I wanted to do, and I I pursued that and and did then what I needed to do to make that happen. Which a big part of that was to not have to not have another, not have the job that would put food on the table get in the way of the other. But obviously, when you're in that transition and and working hard to make things work, you end up working. All in all, way more than full-time and late into the night. And, you know, you really work kind of 24-7 in order to make it work. But I still do, is the truth. So, <laughs> you know, making a movie is just as as much work.
0: Can you tell me about the origination of Paradise Highway and how it won the award and how you end up making this your first feature film debut?
1: I would say that the very first seed of what made me write this story was that when I was a teenager in my, in my hometown, it turned out that there had been a brothel in my friend's building that really shook me. And it made me aware of how trafficking happens right under our noses that stayed with me. And the way that my brain works is like when there's something I don't understand, I can't kind of let it go. And, and then living in New York, and I was also an exchange student in Indiana, and realizing sort of how prominent trafficking is, and the fact that we're not able to, or not willing to combat it, bothered me. And it made me want to do something about it. And, and I really don't like it when I don't know how to help something that's, that I don't like is happening. And, you know, it's not a good feeling to feel powerless. But I feel like where my potential is, is by telling stories. And stories have always been important up through history and up through our humanity. And so I felt like that's where I could try. And, and I always knew I didn't want it to be a victim story because you've seen that before and it just makes everyone depressed. I wanted it to be a story that could make one feel that, okay, it is worth talking about it because I also realized people didn't want to talk about it, trafficking. Because it's so painful to, to accept that this is going on in our society. I wanted the film to be in a way so that people, people wanted to see the film, so that people wanted to talk about it. That it can be a story that's, that is uplifting, that it is about survivors, not about victims. And that there are actually ways if, if people if we connect with each other. Then we have ways to get our societies out of these situations that we're in.
0: Tell me about how it won the award. Was that 2017?
1: That was in 2016, I believe. Um, it was when I so that was when I graduated from Columbia, and it's one of the awards that Columbia uh, awards. But this one in particular is um, is Dan Gordon, the writer of you know the Hurricane and Wyatt Earp and a very established Hollywood writer who he is the one who awards this particular award. So he, uh, I guess, felt like my script was worthy. It was very nice for me, just from a creative perspective, to feel that, okay, it's get, I have gotten the acknowledgement now that this is a script that someone who is established feels like this is a script that can be produced. And this is a script that can become a movie. And and it also, you know, it also helps because it makes other people also feel like, okay, this is a script that someone who is established has read and who they feel like is a good script. So I, I was very grateful for that.
0: How much did the script change from what you wrote in 2016 to what we see in 2022?
1: You know, if you had read it back then and you saw the film, you would definitely feel that it's the same film. But it has been through, I mean, even before then, it was probably through at least like three page one rewrites. And it's been through several more page one rewrites since then. But the core of the story is the same. So what you would remember of the script would be still be the core of the story. So you would kind of recognize it as the same. But the char- you know, the characters have become a lot fuller. Uh, the whole FBI line and those characters have become incredibly much fuller. Like those were those were very they were kind of paper thin back then. A lot character development, but also then with character development comes a lot of scene development, and everything else because it just becomes fuller and fuller and fuller. And then I was doing I've done so much research, and all of that also feeds into the story.
0: I can't tell you how unrecognizable Juliette Binoche was, and just especially with her voice, it was not what I was expecting to come out of her mouth.
1: Yeah, isn't it wonderful? Isn't she amazing? Yeah, no, the the whole cast is amazing. But if one is to kind of stop and talk a little bit about Juliet, is she really, she is making a transformative role. And as you know, as soon as she came on board, she and I, I mean, we knew that that's what was going to happen. And she is an actress, she can do anything is the truth. And she can also do this. And uh, she, uh, you know, she she came over to the U.S. over a year before we started shooting to start learning how to drive a truck and an American truck because trucks are different in the U.S. from Europe. And uh, she then also I so I had sort of a trucking consultant who had also become quite a friend during the process of writing the script this woman Desiree Wood who has an organization called Real Women in Trucking so Juliette learned how to drive a truck she also then went on the road with Desiree for 5 6 days you know sitting in the cab uh, driving for miles and miles during the day and sleeping in the bunk at night and being around at the truck stops and eating the terrible truck stop food and <laughs> and trying the truck stop shower and you know all of that and Juliette Binash is such, she, she, she's a wonderful person. She's just such a real person. It's the most natural for her is to really delve into things when she is working on something. She's not going to do the easy route. She's going to do the real route.
0: Well, Anna, thank you so much for your time. It was such a pleasure talking with you. And I had such a good, well, I can't say a good time with your movie, but it was super fun to see this great cast and such a compelling story.
1: I hope that you and and your listeners will have a chance to come and see it in the theater. It's a rare occurrence these days that films actually come in the theater and it's wonderful. And it is an entertaining movie. You know, that's that's what I feel like people are people are saying is that it deals with these heavy topics but it's it's entertaining.
0: Well, thank you so much. It was just so nice talking with you.
1: Very nice talking with you, you too, Mike.
0: One day and the next day gone Sometimes you bend, sometimes you stay Sometimes you turn your back to the wind There's a world outside the darkened door dark Where blues won't haunt you anymore With a brave heart, free and love of soul Come ride with me to the distant shore We won't hesitate Break down the garden gate There's not much time to today